listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. So we're going to jump into this today and listen. As you're logging on, take a minute to share. This is going to be, and as I said yesterday, the reason we do broadcasts like this is because God does not want his children to have to learn lessons by destruction. He wants us to learn by instruction. And uh, as we mentioned with the book of Proverbs yesterday, it's the reason the book of Proverbs was written uh, so that people could literally be built up from a young age in success uh, in peace, joy. I was thinking about this. If people would just do uh, literally the practical things that the Bible said, they'd be saved from so ma- so many headaches. I remember a guy that I knew that, uh, and I, it reminded me, I came across the proverb, the Bible says, don't put up uh, your word or your name for a stranger's debt uh, in the book of Proverbs. I knew a guy that he had convinced his girlfriend's father to sign on a car loan for him. And he'd only been dating her for about a couple of weeks. <laughs> he convinced the guy to even know who he was, but somehow they talked him into it. The guy disappeared and, you know, the father was left paying the car. And just little things like that. If you just listen to what the word of God says, headaches like that would never be in your life just by the practical things, let alone the revelational things that are in the word of God. And so we do broadcasts like this. My father's been ministering for 40 plus years, 50 plus years of actual preaching. What what age did you preach your first message at? I was 14 in Kenosha, Wisconsin at the First Assembly of God on Pershing Boulevard, Wednesday night. And it was right before Valentine's Day. And our youth pastor was Vinnie Siafi. And Vinnie said, you're preaching come Wednesday. So I uh, begin to uh, I begin to uh, panic <laughs> and studied a little bit. My first message was from Matthew. Pray ye therefore that the Lord will send forth laborers into his harvest, for the laborers are few. And then later, in that Wednesday night, we had eight people saved. Praise God. And five of them were young men, and all five went away to Bible school while I was still in junior high school. <laughs> Scott, George, Daryl Lewick, Jeff Lehman, uh, Alan Bulliard, and I forget the fifth person. But anyhow, I started, uh, that was the first time. that We used to call them CA rallies, Christ Ambassador rallies, where you'd gather together. And from Fort Worth, Texas, Sister Kim Palmer, yeah. Billion is back. <laughs> I thought I had it figured out yesterday who Billion was, made some inquiries, and once again, I was stumped and wrong. She remains a mystery. <laughs> One day we will discover who Billion Aid is on YouTube. We have several private investigators working on it currently. <laughs> and so dad's been preaching for what? That's 51 years now of preaching? Well, when I started, yeah. Half century ago. Yep. And then full-time in the ministry when I got out of Bible school. Of course, even when I was in Bible school, I'd go to Jamaica, hold outdoor crusades. Mm -hmm. 
You don't have to teach a rooster to crow. And if you're called to preach, you don't have to be taught to preach, but you still have to study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, mm -hmm. rightly dividing the word of truth, which means it can be wrongly divided. Absolutely. As probably half the preachers on television do nowadays. Amen. Yeah, that's true. Or more. You know, one of the things that um, I was I was reading, of course, you've made that you've quoted this for years, <clears throat> but there was a man. Hey, tell ya. There was a man who was a Methodist minister, E.M. Bounds, wrote 12 books in his lifetime. Nine of them were on the subject of prayer. prayer. Mm -hmm. And his famous quote that everybody knows, even if they don't know, it was attributed to him. Uh, much prayer, much power. Little prayer, little power. No prayer, no power. And you know where he got that? <clears throat> Charles Spurgeon. Charles Spurgeon. Yeah. And you were told that by someone in Trinidad, was it? A man of God in Trinidad? Yeah, years ago, I was in San Fernando, Trinidad, staying with the Armagon family, your mother and I and you children. And Jerry, who's in heaven now, he said to me, um, one of the oldest uh, full gospel preachers on the island wants to meet you. He's in his 90s. So I got ready and I started waiting. I waited all day. And he didn't show up till just as the sun was going down. He got out of the car. Another young man helped him. He came over. He said, are you the evangelist? I said, yes. He said, the Lord told me to tell you, um, much prayer, much power, some prayer, some power, no prayer, no power. Then he turned around, walked back, got in the car and left. Mm -hmm. And I'm positive the Lord had him do that so I wouldn't uh, forget it. Mm -hmm. Corey Kinney's on from up in Maine. We love the Kinney family, yes. And so we wanted to start today. Of course, we left you with this thought almost as a teaser yesterday. One of the major mistakes <clears throat> that people make, not just ministers, but believers around the world, is the mistake of prayerlessness. And um, These are pitfalls <clears throat> you have to avoid. I wanted to... Uh, just read to you as a text, as dad's getting ready to teach on it, uh, two verses of scripture. One is found in Mark chapter nine, the parallel, Matthew 17. The disciples, now this, think about this for a minute. <clears throat> the disciples had already been breathed on by Christ and filled with the Holy Ghost, the Bible says. He said, be ye filled with the Holy Spirit. And they'd already been healing the sick. They'd already been casting out devils. They'd already been doing the work of Christ. But in Mark chapter 9, they came to a place where their faith was frustrated. Um, parents brought their son to the disciples who was uh, bound by a demon spirit for his whole life since he was a little boy, the Bible says. And the disciples attempted to cast the demon out and couldn't do it. And uh, the parents then brought the boy to Jesus said, hey, we, we asked your disciples to do this. They couldn't do it. Jesus said, you faithless generation, how long must I be with you? Then without sweat, he cast the demon out of the boy and the disciples were confused. Now, the reason the disciples were confused is because they'd cast out demons before. And the Bible also <laughs> says uh, that they would not do it. They could not do they it. Couldn't which do it. means they attempted to cast the devil out. Right. And the reason they were confused and questioned Jesus about it later is because they had already done these things in the past, which shows you there are levels of supernatural power. And also <clears throat> deal with the fact 
Why could we not cast right, him Right, that's where I'm What headed. did Jesus say? Because of your unbelief. All right, so stop right there. <laughs> you cannot go to the next level that where Jesus will use you until you deal with the area of unbelief because once God starts using you, yeah. as you said, they had cast out devils. The devil then comes and tries to build a wall of containment around your faith. And at that point, when things stop working, you've gotten into unbelief. Right. And Jesus then points out where probably part of the unbelief entered in. <clears throat> he examines their prayer lives. And in, in the 29th verse, he says, this kind of demon doesn't come out by but by prayer. And? And some translations say, and fasting. And so... And Brother Hagin said it <clears throat> this way. Prayer coupled with fasting. Mm -hmm. Because if you do not pray and all you do is fast, he said that's asceticism. Right. But he said if you couple your prayers with fasting or you're fasting with prayer, then he said those are the two twins of power. Mm -hmm. And Brother Hagin told the story of John G. Lake in his father's barn. Mm -hmm. And they, uh, his father and uncle had to go to town to buy more chemicals. There was a lab there. And... Uh, his dad said to John G. Lake, whatever you do, don't take that blue uh, liquid and mix it with this liquid over here. Just watch the, they had like a Bunsen burner and everything in the barn. Mm -hmm. So Lake, when they left, being a young boy, when you tell a young boy, don't do something, <laughs> just start timing them. Eventually they're about ready to do it. So John G. Lake told the story. He took the blue liquid, mixed it with the liquid he wasn't supposed to, and blew up the barn, and he landed outside the barn on top of the barn door. And prayer, coupled with fasting, is powerful. And this is the importance, Brother Hagin taught, of making sure you pray with fasting. Yeah. It takes the two elements together to deal with the devil. And then he spoke about how you use your authority. And it's interesting, too, to me, that... Um, you know, we know that Jesus lived for 30 full years on the earth as the son of God and produced no miracles, no signs, no wonders, nothing until he was filled with the Holy Ghost. But this always blows my mind. If you go to Luke chapter four and verse one, the very first thing that the Holy Spirit led Jesus to do after he was filled was not preach the gospel, was not heal the sick, cast out devils, cleanse the leper, raise the dead. The first thing the Holy Spirit led Jesus to do was fast and pray. Mm -hmm. And the Bible says uh, in Luke 4, 1, then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan River. He was led by the Spirit in the wilderness where he was tempted of the devil for 40 days, ate nothing all that time, became very hungry. <clears throat> but look at this. After 40 days of dedication, look at the 14th verse. Then Jesus returned to Galilee, filled with the Spirit's power. Right. So he went in full of the Holy Ghost, came out in power. But what was the, the change in that interim period? Prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting. So power. And he stuck <clears throat> to the word. Every time the devil tempted him, he yep. said, Satan, it is written. written. Yep. So I don't care how much you pray and fast if you don't... Uh, base what you're doing on the word of God, right? then you'll not have the same uh, desired effect that Jesus had in Luke 4. Absolutely. So, you know, I think one, because people, people get confused and they say, well, 
When I pray and fast, it gives me more power. It doesn't give you more power. It allows you to release the power that you already have on the inside of you. You can't get more than the Holy Ghost. He is the power. Because fasting doesn't change God. No. Or his power. He's the same before you fast, while you're fasting and praying, and when you're done. Mm -hmm. He he never changes. Fasting and prayer changes you and me. Absolutely. So the, the, the Holy Ghost and his power, that same, now think about this, the same exact spirit that raised Christ up from the dead dwells inside of your physical body. Romans 8, 11, lives inside your physical body. Well, if that's the case, if there are so many believers and they, they estimate now there's anywhere between five to 600 million spirit-filled believers around the world now, spirit-filled, tongue-talking believers. If there's that many spirit-filled believers around the world, why are they not all seeing signs, wonders, and miracles? Why are they not all releasing power at the level that Jesus did? Well, although there's multiple reasons, uh, I would say one of the main ones is a lack of prayer and fasting. Because until you remove your flesh from the equation, don't you agree, then the spirit can't function as he wants to function. Well, if we understand the Bible says the flesh wars against the spirit, Mm -hmm. then the flesh has got to be removed from the equation for the spirit of a man, the spirit of a woman to become stronger. Yeah. Well, you don't kill yourself. Right. But Paul did say he died daily Mm -hmm. and yet he was still alive in the natural. What does that mean when you say I die daily? It means that you put the flesh under. Now, if the only way you could do it was by fasting or even by prayer, you would have to uh, admit you can't fast forever. So there must be another way to put the flesh under apart from prayer and fasting. Yes. And that's something that we need to look into. But one of the pitfalls, I believe for believers and ministers is this, the lack of prayer and the lack of fasting because it's necessary. Now, there's a, uh, uh, a, a young man from the Orient. I saw him teaching on television the other day and he was encouraging people, don't worry about praying because you can't pray perfectly. And so he was saying the grace of God will um, uh, basically negates right living. Well, what he was saying is don't even bother praying because you can't pray perfectly. Right. And grace will cover you wherever you go. Mm -hmm. Now, that's a lie, uh, I believe, concocted by Satan himself. Yeah, and not new. No, it's not new. Because you dealt with it. And you can go back to Athanasius and then church history, some in the church... uh, Uh, you know, Lightfoot's book on the Apostolic Fathers, there are certain devils that repeat the cycle of attack against the believer, Mm -hmm. starting with these that you use the scripture there in Mark, uh, the ninth chapter. Why could we not cast him out? Now, let's go back to that thought just a minute. Jesus did say, uh, all right, let me me just address some of this. It's more than the carnal mind, uh, Joseph but you're on the right track. And it's more than just denying self, Lynn Ann, but you're on the right track. There's more to this thing. Uh, uh, the Bible, let's put it this way. 
The Bible says, let this mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus, mm -hmm. who thought it not robbery or the area of a challenge to be equal to God, but he denied himself, the Bible says, he emptied out himself. Now that word emptied out is a very important word in, in the Greek. I know you study Greek. And it simply means the kenosis of Christ. It means that more than just flesh, and there are desires that are born out of your flesh. Mm -hmm. There's desires that are born out of your thought life, right. your mind. And then there are desires that are born out of your spirit. First Thessalonians 5.23, and I pray God, the very God of peace, that he might sanctify or separate you completely, holy, mm -hmm. spirit, soul, and, and body. body. Mm -hmm. Now, since the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord, and since that which was dead in trespasses and sins now comes alive when you're born again, your spirit is filled with the spirit of God. Yes. So the problem comes out of twofold. That's why I said you're partially right, Joseph. You're partially right, Sister Lynn Ann but you're not fully right. You have to understand the flesh is a part of it and the mind is a part of it. Mm -hmm. the, the soul or the soulish realm and then, of course, the fleshly realm. Carnal desires are not born in the mind. Carnal desires or that which is of the suke or even the flesh, in the Greek, it comes out of your flesh. That's why some people battle being overweight. They're allowing their desire in the flesh for food to overrule common sense. I was says if you're given to an appetite, put a knife to your throat. It doesn't mean cut your throat. It just means you got to learn how to cut off the groceries. <laughs> you don't eat as much. Or you could do like my son and go to the gym every day and lift weights and, and eat a certain diet. But whatever happened to common sense? Uh, I think, was it Brother Hagen wrote a book, Common Sense Guide to Prayer and Fasting? I think yeah, so. Common Sense Guide to Fasting. So what I want to say is uh, pretty close billion eight uh, on kenosis, but not exactly spelled right. The other, uh, the other thing, I, I agree with Joseph in the sense that he said a fasted lifestyle is what God's after. However, well, that's where I was going. I'm it's glad not, he added it's that. It's not what people think it is. No. A fasted lifestyle doesn't mean just eating enough and not overeating. It means times throughout your life, throughout the year, that you actually don't eat and fast and pray. Well, you remember, <clears throat> I knew a preacher. He was always getting headaches. And the Lord said, I'm going to show you something you must fast and abstain from, and you'll be healed. So the Lord told him, said, stop drinking coffee. This was a preacher down in Texas at the time. Right. So when he cut the coffee out, headaches that he'd had his whole life disappeared. Well, he said, I'll test that. So he went and made him a big cup of coffee and drank it. Headaches came back. Yep. All right. He said, I'll try again. Cut the coffee out for a week. No headaches. Mm -hmm. By trial and error, he found out what the Lord showed him was he needed to fast or abstain from drinking right. coffee. Right. And he said, that's when I learned about a fasted lifestyle. Letting the Holy Spirit remove things, mm -hmm. remove things out of my life, he said, right. that were keeping me from the word of God. Because he said, God obviously has promised 
that uh, none of these diseases shall come upon thee, Exodus 16, etc., the covenant right. of healing. Um, However, you'd agree that anytime someone fasted in the Bible, they fasted. I wasn't making fun of you, billionaire. I just said you were close in the spelling. She said she used this for her notes. But you know um, what I mean. Any, say it again. Anytime someone fasted in the Bible, they were fasting f- food completely. Now, let's answer Dory Speakman's question. Can you fast to learn self-control? The obvious answer is no. Because self-control is a matter of the will. But you can flip it. And you can use self-control to fast. Well, exactly. But fasting doesn't produce self-control. God has created us with the ability to choose. Right. Otherwise, why did he say, choose you this day whom you're going to serve? Right. Your will... Or the soulish realm, which is your will, your uh, mind, your will, your intellect, your emotions. You choose that. And whenever a person begins to deal with demons, what the devil attacks is your area of control, which is the area of the mind. Mm -hmm. And one of our great preachers, she said in her book, the mind is the battlefield. And so when we talk about avoiding pitfalls... Uh, we need to understand Carol Blaylock. Well, God bless you and Scott today. We love you. Uh, when, when you talk about that. So fasting can't change a character. No, that's not, that's not what fasting is about. It is not this the fast that I have chosen? And then God lists in Isaiah what it does. And not one of the things that he lists that fasting does is to change your will or to give you self-control. Your character uh, that our dear brother, uh, Chuck Woody, uh, from probably in Africa, I'm going to guess. If not, forgive me. India, I think. India, all right. Uh, that we need to understand is, hello, Tracy Lashanu, uh, is that your character is oh, a part right. of your integrity that the word of God produces in you, Nigeria. Yeah, you're right. Uh, that that uh, the word of God produces in you. So where you start is not where you're going to finish in God. Right. But the wonderful thing is that if we will pray, if we will fast, there is an ongoing change that the Holy Spirit is working. And then it's up to us to obey the Spirit. As many as are led by the Spirit, right? they are the sons of God. Your identity, your character as a son of God, a woman of God, is actually in the leading <clears throat> of the Spirit. Why do I say that? Because the Spirit will never lead you to sin. Right. The Spirit will never lead you to violate godly character, if that's the word you'd like to use. The Spirit will never lead you into an area of temptation. Right. And yet... The Bible says in more Luke than four, you, more than you can handle. More, yeah. Uh, the Bible says in Luke four, Jesus being led by the Spirit in the wilderness to be tempted. Mm-hmm. So when I said that, the Spirit won't lead you to be tempted uh, or into a place of temptation where you will fail. Right. But you will find yourself in a place where God wants you to overcome the temptation and to succeed. Any teaching, and there is teaching, by the way. But any teaching that minimizes the importance of prayer and fasting is not scriptural teaching. 
And there are those, especially now in the hyper grace movement, that are minimizing prayer and fasting as though they're works um, that you have to do in order to measure up. However, read the book of James. The whole thing is about proving your faith by your works of dedication unto the Lord. A nationally and now internationally known minister said on television, God doesn't want us to pray long prayers. He wants us to pray short, faith-filled prayers. Well, somebody should have warned Jesus before he prayed through the night in the book of Luke, prayed all through the night from the night until the following morning. Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane went and prayed for an hour, came back, woke up his disciples, went back, prayed for another hour, came back, woke up his disciples. And this would be a good uh, uh, scripture for you to remember in regards to what my dad just said about uh, the spirit never leading you into temptation. Look what Jesus taught his disciples about prayer after waking them up. The Bible says he woke them up the second time. Matthew 26, 41, uh, he returned, uh, this is verse 40, to the disciples found them asleep and he said to Peter, couldn't you even watch with me for one hour? One hour. Keep watch and pray so that you'll not give in to temptation for the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So mm. Jesus was saying by prayer, you're actually strengthening or giving control to your spirit to overcome the desires of the flesh. There's only two Bible reasons why any Christian sins, only two. Number one, lack of prayer. Number two, lack of the word being in their life. David said in Psalm 119, I believe in verse 11, I've hidden your word in my heart that I may not sin against God. If you will pray daily and fill your spirit with the word, it is a guard against falling into temptation according to scripture. And so not only does it allow you to release power, it allows you to live in righteousness or holiness. And then when you're in that position, the Bible says God does not withhold any good thing from those that walk uprightly, Psalm 84 and verse 11. I want to talk to Karen, I believe it's Neary, mm -hmm. about fear. She mentioned fear. Now, first of all, sister, the Bible says God has not given us the spirit of fear. So whatever you're dealing with, it is never from God. Well, what about Brother Tedward and Isaiah, all those fear nots? Uh, well, notice he said, fear not. And there is never a time in your life or my life that when fear comes, we can't deal with it. Amen. Because the Bible tells us that where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty, there's freedom, there's wonderful power. And not only has God not given us the spirit of fear, but read on. It says, um, bless your heart, Karen, 40 years of torment. But you're going to get free today in this uh, Facebook. I just feel it. That's why I'm talking to you and anyone that will listen. Now, her question earlier was, is this chemical or is it demonic? Now, we're talking about pitfalls that keep believers from fulfilling the will of God, ministers. And wasn't that nice what Kelly said since she's 16, she's been learning from the family. And we love you, Kelly, you're a great woman now. Your brother John, as you know, worked with me for some years and I loved your dad, your mother, loved to worship God in the choir. Good people, Ted, good people. But listen to me, Karen especially, listen to me. 
your question, is it demonic or is it chemical? Now, if it were chemical, that means something in your body is producing fear. Now, who made us? Who God, made us? Right, God. Mm-hmm. God did. God did not put anything in your body, chemically, DNA-wise, or any otherwise, that is producing fear in you. Now, you wouldn't want to bring that fear upon yourself. I have a book. It's called How to Destroy the Works of a Buffeting Spirit. And in that, I deal with how fear can attack you. And I tell about when I went through this, um, uh, uh, Sister Karen Neary. Uh, God bless you, Kelly. Um, Here's the thing. Don't ever forget this. Sometimes the fear you're feeling is the actual demon spirit who's afraid to be around you that are filled with the Holy Spirit. So your mind logs on and says, I feel fear, but it may not be your fear. I learned this by experience. I went through a battle from 1986 to 1990. January 1st, 1990, I said to my wife, I said to the Lord, I will not deal with this attack of fear on my mind or my life ever again. Mm. And when I said it, the thing lifted and I've never had it since. Amen. Boy, was I upset. (laughs) I could have dealt with that clear back in 1986. But those four years of torment. And the Lord showed me that when that devil would come around me, the fear I was feeling was that devil's, but I took it on myself and my body responded to fear because I didn't keep my flesh under. My heart would race. Some call them panic attacks, anxiety, worry, disorders, whatever. But it was a demonic attack. Mm. You wouldn't do this to yourself, Karen, for 40 years, torment your mind. Right. What you have to do to avoid destruction, and it may be a pitfall in your life, you've got to develop your authority through prayer, through fasting, and command the devil to loose your mind. I pray for Karen yes, Neary Lord. right now. Jesus. Lord. 40 years of torment, Lord Jesus, that's too long. Yes, Lord. Let the power of the Holy Spirit touch this woman in her soulish realm, in her mind. Yes, Jesus. I bind you, spirit of fear, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. I command you to loose the woman and go from her. Yes, Lord. And torment her no more. I command that in the powerful, mighty name of Jesus Jesus Christ. And Father, we believe it's done. Now I assign angels to come help Karen Neary today. Help her, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. That's why I believe the Lord had me write that book. It's in its second printing. I think they only ran 5,000 copies this time. But you know what? A lot of people are battling worry, fear. One out of every three. Right. And I have the information from the National Institute of Mental Health between the ages of 18 years of age and older. Mm -hmm. One out of every three Americans are battling this right now. I mean, you can see how the enemy is trying to attack us. If you would like to get that book, all you've got to do is... I'll put the link in the description here. Oh, can't they write you for it? Yeah, yeah. my office will send it. There you go. 
right there, Karen. Is, is it the, on? Is it on the website? The I believe book? so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, go to shop.tedshuttlesworth.com. All of his teaching products, uh, CDs, albums, books, music is uh, is there on the online shop, and you can you can grab it from there. But it's amazing. I mean, you can see that's one of the main attacks of the enemy in this generation. That uh, it's the number one prescribed medication now. Above heart medication. One out of every three Americans are on some kind of a drug mm-hmm. for these disorders. That's right. One, one, one out of every three. Right. Crazy. Yeah. Now, there are 34 million Americans that do not have health insurance uh, as of uh, the month of January. That was the newest report. 34 million, which represents, they said, one out of uh, six Americans. Now, the first thing I did, I took six times 34, because I've said for years, there's not 315 million Americans. A lot of that, you know, there's billions of dollars every time they do a census, billions of dollars, hundreds of billions, actually, that the census determines where the money will go for medication, health, etc. So it's a big money business. And so the census are not accurate. That's how they have what they call gerrymandering and redo the districts for political purposes. So when they said that, I knew for years there's only 190-some million Americans that have a Social Security card. Pretty much all the World War II generations died off. So even if you allowed 5% error, that still would not be 315 million. Uh, as far as illegals in the nation, they say it's about 20 million. Let's say it's 30. Even if you add that up six times 34, uh, then you get 204 million Take the high number, 30 million illegals. At the most, there's about 230 million people that live in this nation. So remember that when you hear all these numbers thrown around, a lot of times they give themselves away when they actually report the figures they do have. Mm -hmm. What I'm saying to you is this. One out of every six Americans, they better learn how to get healed by the power of God because they don't have insurance. That means on average, 70 million Americans are battling depression or anxiety. That's, that's one-third of 230, about close to, close to you know. Yeah, I say 80 over. million easily. Yeah. But so. don't tell me the church doesn't have her work tried out. Right. Yeah. Now, I don't know what you're talking about, Coco, about three days Some, dry. Someone asked a question earlier as you were teaching does she uh, mean without was, water? Yeah. Okay. Paul, no, you someone was asking, water. Uh, should I start maybe by fasting one meal a day mm-hmm. uh, as I'm working? I saw that. Doing, it was a man. Yeah. As I'm doing, you know, manual labor and things. And you got to, you do it by faith and you do it as you're led. There's not actually instruction in the Bible as to how long to fast. You have to do it as you're led by the spirit. You can do it by faith. And another thing that guys I know that work construction, you know, I used to be in the Boilermakers Union, drove a forklift, worked in a warehouse. But whenever we would fast, we would start Friday after work, and then we wouldn't eat again, in my case, till Monday mm-hmm. during the lunch break in the factory. So that's a three-day fast if you want to look at it that sure. way. Friday through Saturday through Sunday through Monday. Yep. And I don't recommend going more than three days, and yet... Daniel fast was 21 days. Uh, Moses and Jesus both did 40 days. And on the strength of the first fast, Moses did a second 40 days. Um, uh, I feel that you should drink water, but not tap water because it has so much chlorine in it. It's proven 
that uh, it does damage to your... You should uh, definitely drink water. But you should drink water, You should right? definitely drink water when you're fasting. Right. So this dry thing... Uh, I mean, it, it is from the, the Bible. Scripture. But, yeah. but, you know... But notice yeah. how Paul did it. Yeah, God... God uh, God honors your faith if you're drinking water. I mean, it's, you're not going to get any extra blessings from the Lord because you didn't drink water. But I wouldn't fast if I was working physically labor. What, what a lot of the people are doing, like I know a lot of construction workers in Pittsburgh that are going to my friend Nathan Miller's church. One of the things they do there that they really like a lot is they're doing the six to six fast, which is scriptural, mm-hmm. sun up to sundown. And Sabbatical then fast is eating, eating one meal a day at the end of the day after 6 p.m., and it's plenty. And you know? even doctors now, what is the thing mom was telling us fasting. about? Intermittent fasting, where you go for 16 hours without food. And they have proven that if you'll do that, it changes your blood sugar levels. Absolutely. It changes your blood pressure. It actually brings healing to your body. So what your mother and I, if we eat it uh, when we're home, let's say 6 o'clock, we're done. And then we don't eat again until about 10 o'clock the next morning. Right. That's 16 hours. Mm -hmm. And I personally had to go through something where they were testing my blood uh, weekly. First daily, then weekly when I fell and busted my knee. Uh, Thank the Lord I'm healed. But the thing I was going to tell you was, by doing that, I watched the numbers in my blood come down every single day. Mm -hmm. Then they started testing me monthly. Every month. I had better and better numbers. And then just before, we call Teddy's studio the Southern Command Center. Before I came (laughs) down here to the Southern Command Center in Florida to do the meeting, um, I found my physical blood, everything was normal. Mm -hmm. So within October 1st, 2018, until February 2020, I ended up with a better reading than even before I fell. Mm-hmm. The doctor even he kept my charts because I get physicals every year. And so what I'm saying is there are some natural benefits mm-hmm. to fasting. There Absolutely. are some natural benefits to, um, to doing these things. But I want to get back stress to stress in let, times. What does that mean? Let, let me make one comment here. Jesus is calling. Those of you that are that are watching and, and thinking about fasting, let me just make, give you a baseline kind of a rule of thumb to follow. If you're fasting, if you're not eating food, and you're not praying for at least an hour a day, you might as well just eat something right. because you're not taking it seriously. Because it's prayer with fasting. Right. And so people say, well, where do you get that hour mark from? Well, it was Jesus. in the scripture. Jesus said it to the disciples in Matthew 26. Then you go on through into the early church. Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer. So even the early church had at least an hour of prayer a day. It seemed like it was the baseline uh, expectation or mark of dedication in the New Testament. Sue, Jesus. Sue Pasquel just came on. Yeah. Works in the office. So that, that's that's the reason I make that that comment. I heard Bishop Boyadepo say that. He said, if you're fasting with us, but you're not, because people will do it just to seem, you know, like, well, real zealous, you know, I'm fa- I've been fasting for 40, but they're not praying. There's no point in fasting if you're not praying. So take it. Uh, actually, my friend is in Africa right now. He just met with Pastor Adeboye two days ago. And uh, he said, could you give me some advice? But this is, Pastor Adeboye actually said this. He said, don't ever take a pulpit to preach, ever without praying at least an hour in the Holy Ghost before you do. 
He said, pray in tongues for at least an hour before you preach. Anytime. And when I was coming up, the old time preachers said, for every hour you minister, make sure you spend three hours praying before you get in the pulpit. Mm-hmm. And so you that, Dr. That's, Dr. That's Cho good. even went further than that too, didn't he? He said in, in nations where he felt great resistance, right. like Japan or... Uh, he said even in the UK he felt great resistance. He would not stand to minister in the in Japan, he wrote in his book, A Prayer That Brings Revival, without praying six hours before he would take the microphone. More Sorello, when he went to Brazil, he felt resistance in the atmosphere spiritually. Mm-hmm. So he told me, I went up to my hotel room and I took 24 hours to pray and fast before God. Yep. And when he took the platform, some of the greatest miracles he ever saw took place after he set himself aside. Now, let me just say this. this. This is something I think we need to talk about a little bit while we're on this subject. Let me start by saying it this way. God knew which generation he could trust to live in the end times. Right. I believe we're living in the end times. Now, I've heard three statements within the last week that are unscriptural and are based on fear. Uh, Two of them were by Ministers Teddy. One was one of your comments here a moment ago. Some people say, well, because we're living in the end times, there's stress created. Only if you allow it. Right. Only if you allow it. When I woke up this morning, the sun was shining. When I got up, washed my face, the birds were singing. Think about this. The birds sing every day. Yeah, they don't know what They don't know about the stock market and Wall Street's up and down. Right. I look at the trees, the branches and the leaves. They sway in the wind. They don't know anything about the coronavirus. Right. God's nature proves to us that we should be free from worry Mm -hmm. and fear. If what's going on around about you is causing stress, you lack a prayer life and your trust is not there because you also lack, and we'll get into this hopefully today, you lack a foundation in the word of God. That's being pretty blunt, isn't it, friends? If you're being troubled by what you see going on, One time I was preaching in Marion, Indiana. And a lady came to me and she said, Brother Shuttlesworth, would you come pray for my husband? He's having a nervous breakdown. I said, I'd be glad to. Well, A.W. Thomason was the pastor. And there was a war that had started. And we get to his house. He has three television sets in the living room. And in those days, the major networks, he had ABC, NBC, CBS on, and was watching the reports of the problem on all three networks. And you heard him say to his wife, get me a cup of coffee, get me a cup of coffee. And he's in there. She told me for two days, he hadn't been to sleep, was having a nervous breakdown. He's in there drinking caffeine and watching They call them the fake news nowadays, but in those days, I called it the bad news. ABC, CBS, NBC. Oh, he he said, Brother Shuttlesworth, he's drinking coffee. I'm so glad you came. Something's wrong with my nerves. I said, I know what it is. I'm going to pray for you. What is it? 
I said, you have alphabet disease. He said, alphabet disease? I said, yes, sir. You have ABC, NBC, CBS disease. <laughs> but if you'll shut them three TVs off and get rid of that coffee, I believe you're going to be healed. Well, I was there with Brother Thomason Sunday through Sunday. By the end of the meeting, he was there praising God. His nerves were healed. <laughs> so uh, the point I'm making to you is that sometimes what you're dealing with is because of what you're allowing in your life that is opposed to a life of prayer and, may I just say, a life of peace. A life of prayer and a life of of peace. Yep. Let not your hearts be troubled. Jesus said, if you believe in God, what did he then say? Let not your hearts be troubled. If you believe in God, believe also in me, for I go away to prepare for you a mansion. There's peace in knowing that this world is not our final home. Mm-hmm. I was with Brother Summerall one time and he was preaching. He said, one day I'm going to say, goodbye, old world. When he died, they put a book out about his ministry and it said something like that. Goodbye, uh, old world. This world is not your home. Heaven is your home. Prayer and fasting are powerful in that they keep us in the spirit of peace. Literally, if the trees are doing okay, if the birds are still singing, if everything God made doesn't know about coronavirus. And by the way, coronavirus, I, just, I was listening last night, nine people in the United States died, all in a nursing home in Washington state. Coronavirus is not that strong of a virus. Did you know, now under this administration, we've had, what, nine deaths from it. But in the last administration, 13,000 people died in one year from the swine flu virus, 13,000. But you see what happens, son, and I believe this. I believe that our world looks for the negative. And in particular, I'm talking about the media, and they hype it. They hype it, like some of you preachers are hypesters. You, you hype it. If you don't hype anything, hype God. Lift up Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Lift up Jesus. Lift up Jesus. Hallelujah. And he said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men nigh unto me. Glory to God. What are you worried about? If, and so I dealt with this. My son and I worked last night and studied about, there are some that say, because we're in the end times, these things are going to come. But they're not going to touch the child of God. God did not create that in you. So you that had just said, is it chemical or demonic? It's demonic. And you can use your authority and you can rebuke the devil and you can rebuke disease. We have power over devils and diseases. We have dominion over them. Well, son, here's the thing. In Matthew 24, you know, you helped me research this last night. In the last days, there are certain signs that are going to take place. Earthquakes, uh, Nations shall rise against nation. There shall be pestilences or plagues. Uh, and there will be all these things in diverse places that are going to happen. But it doesn't mean God's doing it. God promised 
in Exodus to his children, he gave them a covenant of healing. Three other verses Teddy found for me last night was, it says, the Lord keeps covenant. God keeps his covenant. Mm -hmm. God, once he made the covenant of healing, he never removed it and never stopped working it. Right. God has kept his covenant. So if there is a coronavirus, if there is a plague, prayer will bring you full healing and full deliverance. Amen. Years ago, they had a Legionnaire's disease broke out. People were dying from it. They didn't know where it came from. Eventually, the a disease detectives tracked it down to the air ducts in a hotel on the East Coast. Well, Brother Shambot was holding a meeting. And he gets on the radio. I was there when he made it in the hotel room. He used to make the ads. He said, this is Brother Shambach breaking into the broadcast. You can hear him. Tonight, I'm in uh, Philadelphia. And he'd tell where it was, Blue Horizon Ballroom or Miracle Temple later that he had or sometimes over towards the Children's Hospital, the Pennsylvania, the Civic Center there. He said, breaking into the broadcast. Tonight, we're giving out flu shots. He said, if you'll come, every one of you that come, I'm going to give you a Holy Ghost flu shot and it'll knock the devil right off your body and the disease out of your body. I'll see you tonight, 7.30, he'd say. We'd get there and the place would be jammed, like two, 3,000 people. Why? Because of fear. Now, I, I mention this because of the lady that said something earlier about fear. God has not only given us, has not given us the spirit of fear. We know fear is a tormenting spirit, but in Hebrews it says that people through their whole lifetime were in fear, a bondage of fear because of death. So if you've not settled this issue in prayer, if I die, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Sudden death, sudden glory, you're out of here. You have nothing to fear. You have nothing to fear. Franklin Roosevelt said, we have nothing to fear but fear itself. And unfortunately, the modern day media are nothing more than fear mongers, worried about this. More people, more people died under the last administration of swine flu, 13,000 plus. More people were killed by illegal aliens, people in this country illegally last year, over 10,000 than by the coronavirus. Worldwide, deaths due to war and famine took out more lives than anyone that has died thus far from the coronavirus. And the proportion is like, if this is the combined death of all these, and see, I've been studying this, and here's the coronavirus worldwide, it's not even one-tenth of who died last year from these things. So the point I'm making is fear magnifies problems. Prayer reduces and removes problems. And one of the pitfalls that believers are dealing with and some ministers is a lack of prayer. But if we pray, hallelujah. That's right, Psalm Kimberly, uh, Teddy looked it up. What was it? Psalm 91. No plague mm -hmm. shall come nigh my dwelling. That's right. Glory to God. We, we got the blood on the doorpost. We got the blood on the lintel. And when I see the blood, hallelujah, Jesus has promised, God has promised, I will 
pass over you. Amen. There's not a devil in hell, <clears throat> out of hell that can touch the child of God. Let me talk faith to you for a minute. When you pray, when you fast, you are building a divine insulation around your life that the devil can't touch you. Hallelujah. Amen. And if you keep your mouth shut, he won't even know where you're at. Hallelujah. Because you identify yourself by your confession. So keep your mouth shut to the world and to the things that are in the world and speak those things that pertain unto God. Hallelujah. Mm -hmm. What are those things that pertain unto God? Our God is a mighty God. He's omnipotent. Our God is all wise. He's omniscient. Our God is the God, hallelujah, who delivers us. He is Jehovah Rapha, the Lord that heals us. He is Jehovah Shammah, which means what? The Lord, my banner. The Lord, my banner. God's got you covered. Oh, hallelujah. He's Jehovah Jireh, which means what? Provider. He is the Lord that puts money in your bank account, puts money in your pocket. That reduces all debt, sets you free. Why do we pray? We pray to maintain the presence. For where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty, Ted. Hallelujah. Amen. And you that are watching, you need to type in the comments section, I am covered. Covered. Remember that song we used to say? I'm going to start singing some of them old songs again. Covered, covered, covered by the blood. Walking, Walking by, by faith, faith, living in love. Living in love. We are covered, covered, covered. By his blood. Yeah. Jesus has rescued me. Danny says, how do you deal with spirits that come into your church or your camp meeting? I either cast them out or throw them out. Amen. Whichever way they want to go. <laughs> but I just don't allow it. I had a guy come in who was going to kill me. And I went to... Uh, to say something to him and Donnie Johnson that works for me, grabbed the guy, ran him right out of the meat and threw him out. So I said, well, you can either cast out devils or you can throw them out. And that, that's what I always say. Covered. Yeah, type it in. I'm covered, covered, covered by the blood, walking by faith, living in love. Where we are covered, covered, covered by the blood. Jesus has set me free. One more time. We are covered, covered, covered by the blood, walking by faith, living in love. We are covered, covered, covered by the blood. Jesus has set me free. Praise God. You ought to lift your hand right where you're watching unless Amen. you're driving a car. <laughs> if you are, pull it over by the side of the road and begin to thank God you're covered. No coronavirus, no disease, right. no devil is going to touch you. You're covered by the blood. If the devil tries to come on you, lay your hands on yourself. Boom. I am covered, covered, covered by the blood. Hallelujah. We need to get a little bit more bold about prayer. We need to get a little bit more bold about fasting. And next year, Teddy's coming out with a compendium on fasting and prayer for the new year. I can't wait to get it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to carry it with me because people need to understand you are not helpless. There's something you can do about the devil. And Jesus said so and said it's a sign that'll follow you. Cast out devils. Hallelujah. Amen. Cast out devils. One time <laughs> a person came to me, had a devil and the devil spoke out. 
And I said, will you shut up and get a seat? I'm still preaching. I didn't even let the devil take over the service. See, here's the thing. Some of you got a big devil and a little Jesus, but what you really need to have is a big Jesus and a no devil at all. Did you ever hear me preach that message? Jesus is up and the devil is down. Yeah. Hallelujah. Jesus is up and the devil's down, Teddy. Glory yep. to God. Keep typing that in, in your comments, everybody that will. I am covered. Hallelujah. Amen. Then, why can't we pray against diseases that try to come into our world? Sure. All disease, including diseases that are not healed, which is incipient death if you don't get healed. All diseases, according to the Bible, Acts chapter 10, 38 is always my foundational scripture, are an oppression of the devil. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth mm -hmm. with the Holy Ghost and with power, how he went about doing good, healing, healing all those who were oppressed of the devil. Yeah. All sickness is an oppression of the devil. Glory to God. Mm -hmm. All sickness is an oppression of the devil. That's right. the good thing. You have power over the devil yep. and over all his works. I'm not afraid of the devil. The devil's afraid of me. That's it. That's <clears throat> the thing. You need to begin to say that. Judy Stitzworth. I don't know her, but She's thank you. She's from Pennsylvania. God bless her. She's a great woman. Sue Pasquale. I am covered. Glory to God. So stop talking and see if you're praying right. And if you're fasting and keeping your flesh under, you're not going to talk fear, doubt, and unbelief. Right. You're not going to talk fear, doubt, and unbelief. Oh, here's Jesus in heaven. What are we going to do, Lord? There's a virus called Corona. And Jesus is wringing his hands and moaning. Ah, shut up with that stuff. Jesus sits in heaven. He says, I'm waiting for my children to call upon the Lord. And when you call upon the Lord, he will answer you. And when he does, here it comes. Here it comes, the anointing, the power of God to heal us, the power of God to help us. Hallelujah. Amen. Covered by the blood. Isn't that a great thought? Yes. So we need to avoid that, son, prayerlessness and a lack of fasting and prayer. Absolutely. Yep. Prayer is key. Jesus dealt with it. Paul dealt with it. I love that Paul said to the church in Corinth and actually let them in on the fact that in his private life, he prayed in his unknown language, the heavenly language, more than all of them, those in the church. And made that point in 1 Corinthians 14. I speak in <laughs> tongues more than all of you. I, I, got, I, got to, I got to say this. Yes, I recommend the Bible. <laughs> Sister Christine, and especially the teachings of Paul on the things of the Spirit, 1 Corinthians. You know, that's that's an interesting thought, Kristen, because people, yeah. people think, um, you know, you can't teach someone to pray in tongues. No. You know, I, I've been in services before, you know, where they're, they're overzealous people, but they're at the altar as a worker with those trying to receive the baptism, you know, and they're trying to get them to, you know, to pray... Now say Bobo, now say Rebi, now say Shata, now say Dada, now say Lala. You can't teach somebody Where was that? how to pray in tongues. <laughs> I I'm not going to that church. <laughs> you, can't, you can't do it. You the, the, the supernatural prayer language that's given to you 
by the Holy Spirit is spontaneous. We see that in scripture. It's spontaneous. It is the initial sign that you have been baptized in the Holy Ghost. You see that through the book of Acts. And no one had to teach them to pray in the Holy Ghost. No one taught them in the upper room. Nobody taught them uh, in Cornelius's household. Paul didn't teach them in Ephesus, the 12 men he came in contact with. And even if you look at Acts chapter 8 in Samaria, uh, it's implied there that they spoke with tongues. Simon the sorcerer saw it. It was an external witness. Nobody taught them. It is something that comes as a result of your baptism in the Holy Spirit. And the Spirit, the Bible says, gives the utterance. The Spirit gives the utterance. So you can't teach someone an unknown language. How would you teach somebody an unknown language? No, they're spontaneous by the Spirit. So what you have to do, uh, Kristen, is you have to trust the Lord that he's the giver of the gift. He fills you with the Holy Spirit. It's a free gift. There's nothing you have to do to receive it other than have faith to receive it. And then, of course, as we see in in, uh, example in Scripture, the main way that it came upon people, hands were laid upon them by ministers, by those doing the work of Christ, and as hands were laid on them. We have an exception to that, obviously, in Acts 10. As Peter preached, they were filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other Which tongues. Which just proves how real it is. Right. Because there was no teaching on the baptism there. He was preaching the salvation. Gospel. Yeah, that's right. So the, the key being, trust God, trust the Word, trust the Spirit, and then, of course, Kristen, one of the most important things is, is that you've got to be in a church that not only believes in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but makes a practice of it. I'm actually blown away by how many full gospel denominational churches have walked away from the practice of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They have it on paper, but I mean in actual practice. I have a pastor friend in a the world's largest Pentecostal denomination he pastors in that he had people leave his church to go move someone for a jo- somewhere for a job. And they attended in that new place, a church in the same denomination. Well, at the end of the service, they went around the altar and they said to the pastor, would it be all right if we just stayed around the altar and prayed in the Holy Spirit now that the service is over? And the pastor said, well, no, actually it wouldn't because uh, I've not let the church know yet that we're a spirit-filled church and I don't have a plan in place to let them know that we're a spirit-filled church. So here's a church in a spirit-filled denomination that refuses. They'll take the money of that denomination to plant the church but will not practice the baptism of the Holy Spirit or even manifest the power of God in their services. So I'm, I'm appalled by that, that there's, and you need to be in a church that does practice it, does believe it, sees it on a regular basis, that will obviously help in the reception of that uh, gift. Because, yeah, praise God, Kristen. What a, that's a wonderful thing. She's moving to Tampa and going to the river in August. So Alan says, God. finally, a real anointing on this broadcast. <laughs> Is Alan saved? I, I never knew. Alan just got saved a few weeks ago, I and I bought him his first uh, children's study Bible. It's a wonderful thing. He likes the pictures. He likes the paintings and the pictures. So it's. <laughs> Don't you love Alan, though? Uh, not really, but he's a good guy. No, I do love him. <laughs> I like you. <laughs> Alan, I, I, I still use the Bible Alan gave me uh, when I'm preaching. He gave me a beautiful um, calfskin ESV. Was it he the one who gave you that? Yeah. And, uh, well, gave is a loose term. I took it when he wasn't looking off the pew. But... <laughs> he said last week he was he went to the altar last week oh 
But uh, no, I love Alan a lot. He's a great, great man of God. And uh, handsome, as many would attest to that fact. Um, <laughs> not his wife. She told me personally she doesn't think so. But anyway. Uh, yeah, exactly. Karen's making the perfect point. She goes to a, a certain denominational church where she's at, but there's Assembly no spirit of, of the Lord manifesting. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that's why, Karen, I gave you a specific church in your area to go to. And I'm still waiting on you to don't ask for instructions if you're not willing to follow instructions. I'm helping you by trying to place you in, a, in into an environment where the Holy Ghost is moving. And so, well, you say, yes, you're going. You just said you go to an Assemblies of God church where there's no manifestation. First, you went to a church where they, they, they were cessationists and Baptists. Now you're going to a place that, that doesn't practice the Holy Ghost. If you're asking for instruction, listen to the instruction and go where I instructed you to go because I know the ministers personally and they're Holy Ghost-filled people. Who's that? Uh, she's in Long Island, New York. So go to a church that practices miracles, signs, wonders, preaches the gospel, believes in the Holy Ghost. It's I important. am following, she said. I promise. Okay, please do. Because it's and the reason I'm being so... Uh, adamant about it. It's life or death where you go to church. It's life or death. I would never stick myself or a family member or my children in a dead, dry church. You know, even even if I knew better, my kids don't know better. They're growing up in dead, dry church and religion. You know, one of the things when you see these statistics that they're giving now, that uh, 80-some percent of churched millennials, when they are old enough to make their own decisions, they leave church never to return. Bill Miley said, get out of dead churches. That's right. But what they don't tell you in those statistics is what types of churches millennials are leaving. Mm. And I guarantee you they're leaving dead, dry churches. I would leave them too. I'd rather stay home and do other things than go to a place where the Holy Ghost isn't even going. He's not even there. They've kicked him out years ago. Years ago, I was preaching in a church, opening service, places packed. But I could feel the spirit of death on the place, so I got up and I said, this is the first and last night of the revival. I preached, gave an altar call, got in my car and left, didn't even get the, a check or any offering. Yeah, I, won't, I wouldn't even stay there Monday through Friday. I preached Sunday. Mm-hmm. But if it's dead and I leave, it'll go back to death because the leadership was dead. That's it. And people say things that I don't think they understand how spiritual authority works. Well, the Lord's leaving me. Um, It doesn't matter. You train your children, Karen. What I do with my my 12-year-old scared of hearing tongues. You train them, the Bible says. The Bible says raise them or train them in the way they should go. And when they're old, they'll not depart. When, when my kids were young, I took Maddie and Brooklyn to a hibachi restaurant. They were scared when the fire flamed up in front of us. But now they love to go. Why? We trained them how good Japanese hibachi food is. And so there are things that may be different to you, but you train. You train your children. You don't govern where you go because your 12-year-old told you they don't like it there. You train them what's right and what's wrong. And then you're in charge of your home. So, But the, I've heard people make statements like this. Well, the Lord's keeping me in this church to, to be the change. It doesn't work like that. God does yeah, not... If the Spirit can't change it, you're not he, going to change yeah. it. Yeah. God doesn't work by insubordination. He works from the top down, not from the bottom up. And if the leadership 
are not willing to change. No parishioner, no congregant is going to change a church uh, where the leadership who are in control are not willing to change what they believe. Look, so get out. My buddy Aaron wrote, Ichabod is not an incubator for the miraculous. Exactly. <laughs> it's great. That's a great, uh, great quote, Aaron. And we got to see him, what, last week? Yeah, he came here and, to the camp uh, meet. Awesome guy. I love him. He's close by. He's not far at all. Not far. Yeah, so it's important. And prayer, I'm glad Dad took to, uh, today to deal with this because prayer and fasting are so such forceful elements in the kingdom of God that Jesus literally taught, you know, because people were giving him a hard time. How come your disciples don't fast? He said, because you don't fast when the bridegroom's with you. But when I leave them, they will fast. Notice that. They will fast. And if you study the history of the church, you, you go study church history for yourself. He didn't say if you fast. Nope. He said when, when you fast. And the, and Not the, if you pray, when you pray. Matthew 6. If you give, no. When, when you, you give. give. God expects us to pray, fast, yep. and give. And when you study church history, you'll find that for hundreds and, and close to a thousand years, the early church fasted on Wednesday and Friday of every single week. Fasting and prayer twice a week, every single week. The Wesley brothers, Tuesdays and Thursdays. And so this was a this was a common practice among the church that was exploding. You know, uh, uh, Andy Stanley wrote a book recently called, Ir uh, called Re I think it was called Irresistible. And he was asking the question, his thesis was, how did we take an, a religion that was so irresistible in the first century and make it resistible? I can answer the question. People have gotten away from the power of God, including him. And so the, the, key, <laughs> the key being, why was it irresistible in the presence of heavy persecution? People were willing to die for the faith they had because they saw what it was, what it could produce, and the effect that it had on the world. It, heavy persecution, threat of death, didn't squash church growth. It expanded church growth. And they literally turned their known world upside down in the face of life-threatening persecution. They were being, they were willing to be tortured, murdered, uh, you know, torn apart for their faith. And not one of them said, I denounce Christ. I, he didn't really rise from the dead. That was all a myth. It was all a lie. They were willing to die. And the reason that it's not uh, the same, look at nations where there is still persecution like that. Guess what's happening? Irresistible. It's exploding. You go to places where, you know, the Fulani herdsmen are stealing children and killing them. You go where uh, Al-Qaeda or all, all these, it's exploding. You go to China, exploding. Go to Africa, exploding. India, exploding. Why? In the face of persecution, people need an answer. And if you get too comfortable and you get lackadaisical, it causes you to fall away from hunger. And you've got to learn, see, maturity stays hungry even when things are going great. We dealt with that yesterday. Maturity stays hungry. I, I, I found this interesting, Dad. You could comment on it. Dr. John G. Lake, after all of his years of working for the Lord and all the creative miracles he saw, all the people he saw saved, over 100,000 documented miracles in 10 years in Spokane, Washington, in the healing rooms, he said, if I could give any one spiritual blessing to the body of Christ, if I could have anything that the body of Christ received, it would be spiritual hunger. That was his words. He felt that that was the most important element 
for a believer to have? Spiritual hunger. Spiritual hunger for the God men. Yeah, for for the things of God. Mm-hmm. He, he, he believed that Christians were not hungry enough. Jesus said in his first message, blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness. I was reading Scott. uh, Thank you, Brother Ted, for sowing a seed. We love you. Thank Mm -hmm. you, Julie, for sowing. Scott, let me just say this, the pushback. Um, Because we're in the last days. I believe that there has been a pushback against the supernatural in every age. You study church history. It's not just common to the end times. That's number one. Number two, the devil knows that the gospel preached with signs and wonders, with the miraculous, the evident proof that it convinces the heart of men. Mm-hmm. Um, Jesus, his first miracle was turning the water into wine in Cana of Galilee. In that second chapter of John, you read on and it says about verse 23 or so. Mm-hmm. And many believed on his name Mm -hmm. when they saw the The miracles miracles which he did. Yes. If I were the devil, and I'm not, but if I were the devil, I would try to push back, Brother Scott, against every minister and every believer, as the Bible says, that is contending for the faith that was once delivered to the saints. Absolutely. I'm glad it said saints and not ministry gifts. Mm-hmm. Because before you're ever in the ministry, you have to be a believer, a yeah. saint. Now, the ministry gifts are for the perfecting of the saints, bringing us into a place of maturity. The teacher, the pastor, the evangelist, the prophet, the apostle. I will say this. Uh, they weren't when they started, but now what we would call mainline Pentecostal denominations. They've already gotten rid of the apostle. They don't believe in the prophet. Hello, Sister Shanu. And they're working to get rid of the evangelist, but I'm going to say this, pastor, you're next. Teacher, you're next. Because the devil works through religious systems Mm -hmm. to destroy the faith of believers. Right. The Pharisees, Jesus rebuked them because what they taught was error. And it's the only thing that makes the word of God so it won't work. One thing, only one thing keeps the word of God from working in your life. What did Jesus say to the Pharisees? You do err because you don't know the scriptures nor the power of God. The manifestation of the power of God is linked to the word of God. Mm -hmm. I don't know if we have time today, but another pitfall I wanted to deal with is the lack of the word that is being taught and preached in so many churches. If we would stick to the word, the Holy Spirit, the Bible says the spirit and the word agree or they work together. So where there is no word, there's nothing for There's nothing for the uh, Spirit of God to deal with. That's true. Yeah, let's do that tomorrow. We'll take tomorrow's session. Jamie Hutchings, I don't know if that's Phil or Jamie. That's what they'll do. Instead of pastors, they'll be life coaches. Yeah, life coaches. Um, John Napier, what is is your question? We'll take a few questions here at the end of the broadcast. I see John Napier's on. Mm -hmm. Um, 
and had, I think he had a question. What, what question do you have? AJ, I have that Bible, a, a book by Gordon Lindsay that he compiled. Yeah, I for, have it too. For, uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, we're going to jump back on tomorrow at 1030 and deal with that. More pitfalls. People need to be aware. And uh, that is true. A massive one. We'll have literally plenty to talk about tomorrow because so, so much. Um, and I love this quote by A.W. Tozer, my friend, Pastor Alan DiDio put up. The average Christian is so cold and so contented with his wretched condition that there's no vacuum of desire into which the blessed spirit can rush in satisfying fullness. It's true. It's very true. Yeah, that's exactly right, Aaron. God bless you, Cape Town. Come join us in East London in, uh, in April for Faith on Fire. Love to see you, Ernest. I don't know if John's still on, but anybody, if you have any questions, we'll take the next five, 10 minutes and uh, answer some questions. Listen, if you've not done so yet today, let me encourage you to sow a seed if you've not done so. If you're believing God to not only have the best year you've ever had, we've been encouraging people that this is a year of violent increase, expedited favor. It's already begun. And I, I wrote this today. I was getting ready to send this out to those that are partnered with us is that God has given you the ability to have supernatural increase. He's already put it in your hand. It is within the seed that he's given you. Every seed has the inherent ability to bring increase. The seed harvest. is in itself and it yields after its own kind. That's right. And so you're welcome, Lenan. God bless you. And so I want to encourage you, if you're wanting to give by an app, the, all the information's on there. If you'd like to go to miracleword.com, uh, you, can, you can sow there, you can partner there. We love you. Ted and Ashley, we love you very much. Love you, Brother Alan. That's my friend, Alan Dadia. Listen, let me just say, even though we're not still in February, if you guys haven't gotten this book by my friend, Pastor Alan Dadio, get it. Forward by Dr. Rod Parsley, Encounter. Uh, we all need to have continual encounters with the Holy Ghost and fire. And the power of God needs to be active in our lives. This book will bless you. And uh, I want to encourage you encourage you to get a copy of this. It's a great, uh, great book. It just came out not, not long ago from my friend, Pastor Alan DiDio. So now who's Rod Parsley? <laughs> These guys got a struggling church in Ohio. That's what I heard. Put on your overalls. <laughs> Love you too, man. I got some work at my house. Love you, Caleb. Brother DeVito. <laughs> Besides praying in faith for a miracle for my son, is there anything else I should do? Besides praying in faith for a miracle, well, since God rewards faith, Hebrews eleven six, what more can you do except praise him mm -hmm. that you've received? Absolutely. Absolutely. Ooh. I'm sure, uh, and, I, and I know her and her husband, I'm sure you've already anointed your son with oil, as the Bible says to do, and prayed the prayer of faith as you said. As Dad said, just continue to praise God that it's done, already done. Tell the story about Sister. At least an hour, Samson, and if not more, depending on what the Spirit leads you to do. Sister Lillian B. Yeomans, when she was sick, the Bible is filled with scriptures, but she heard the Lord say, you're a little low in praise. She'd been praying, asked God for healing. So she, she saw a vision of a scale. 
One side was high, the other was low. So that's your prayer. Now, bring the balance to it and you'll be healed. You need to put in more praise. Mm -hmm. And she said she began to praise God. What is the book again? It's called Encounter by Alan DeDio. DeDio. Of Encounter Church. You all, are you ready to experience more of God's presence and power? If not, don't get the book. Don't get the book. But if you are. <laughs> the new mission field. Some good chapters in here. Love um, you too. The power we need has already been given to us. It just got lost somewhere along the way. The praise cure. That's right. Brother Hagen used to, to teach on that. And, and, well, that, uh, he got it from her book. Yeah, That's he did. a whole chapter. He had a series called uh, Prayer and Praise Series. I have the CDs, the Prayer and Praise Series. Oh, Brother Hagen. God bless him. And uh, Joel, went to, Joel went to Rama while Megan was there. I'm sorry to hear that, Joel. Yeah. He, he She's was, a good girl. He was able to deal with it. Love you too, Chad. Joel. Taller. Taller. Now, we'll be back again let tomorrow. Say, let me just say something else while we're... I don't know sure. what time it is. Folks, let me just say this to you. God will give you a window, but it doesn't stay open forever. There is a timing in God. And we need, the children of Issachar, the Bible says they understood the times. Mm -hmm. God has people that he gives understanding to. Now, uh, so that is Phil. He's believing God for his wife's salvation. Amen. Probably after the devil's cast out of you, Brother Phil. But anyhow, <laughs> that's a joke. Uh, here's what I wanted to say, Teddy, as we sum up about prayer, the things of God, etc. We need to understand that there's a window. Now, when you pray, when you pray, the moment you pray, and Teddy will laugh at this, <laughs> when you pray, there's a season of faith between what you pray for, ask for, and the manifestation. And what you do between the two, that season of faith, mm -hmm. determines the manifestation. Because if you pray in faith and then somewhere along the way while you're waiting for that manifestation, you say, well, it must not happen. It never happens for me. As soon as you say it, it cancels out your prayer. Mm. What you need to do, now that we're talking about avoiding the pitfall of prayerlessness, now that you've prayed, now that you've prayed, then begin to praise God for the answer. Thank mm -hmm. him in advance. Thank you, Lord. My son is saved. Thank you, Lord. My daughter is healed. Thank you, Lord. I'm free from fear. Thank you, Lord. I will pray in tongues until I begin to learn of the things of the Spirit. Thank you, Lord. Praise. After you pray in faith, mm -hmm. praise moves you to manifestation. Amen. Many's the time. Well, Scott, that's a good question. Let, let me stop because he, he asked that. Um, you need to call a church fast. You need to get the people fasting and praying to create that desire. But as he said, I don't think he's the head of the church. Well, then get out and of that church saying, and go somewhere if the, else. If the church I attended hasn't seen a handful of people. Yeah, but I saved. thought he just said a minute ago he was pastoring. 
He said, church I attended hasn't seen a handful of people in 10 years. They, uh-huh. they preach the Bible and believe in the Holy Ghost. Uh, don't seem to get results. You got to get out of the church. Go into the highways and byways and yep. preach the gospel and compel them to come in. Evangelism is the call is a call for every believer. The Great Commission. Yeah, that's exactly right. So getting back to this final thought, uh, and I'm sure you agree with it, praise is the key for manifestation. Yes, absolutely. Praise is the key for manifestation. And he said, no, I'm the associate pastor. Well, you've got to do what the head pastor says. That's for sure. You don't want to undermine him. Mm -hmm. Even when Moses was wrong, you never heard Joshua say anything against Moses. Right. And Joshua was his uh, sort of son in the gospel. But, you know, there comes a time that we've got to make up our mind that we have to obey God rather than men. True. It could be that you're seeing these things. I would sit down and talk with my pastor, if you haven't already. And then if he's not amenable to that, then you need to resign and go somewhere else. And you know, Scott, I would say this as well. When you go to sit down to talk to your pastor, don't just go in with complaints. Go in with solutions. Hey, pastor, I was feeling we could do this, maybe to outreach out to the community. I had several ideas. We could do this to bring souls in. We could do this to do an evangelist. Go in with solutions, And not talk problems. about all the good things the pastor's doing. Sure. As well. Yeah. Use wisdom. Yeah, absolutely. Thank, Thank you, you, Rodney. Brother. Love you, Brother Rodney. Absolutely. Praise, Praise is the, the key. That's right. For manifestation. And it's a beautiful way to finish this teaching, mm-hmm. avoiding the pitfall of prayerlessness. And I tell you what, this would make a good book, what we taught today, because you'd be surprised how many people are not being taught how to pray. Mm-hmm. But remember, one of the first things Jesus did, he taught his disciples mm-hmm. how to pray. Absolutely. If you're, you're wondering more about prayer or, you know, how do, I, how do I succeed in prayer? How do I get my answers in prayer? In Miracle Word University, we have a course called Answered Prayer, where I teach for five hours on what the Bible says about how to get your prayers answered, any roadblocks to answered prayer, what biblical prayer looks like, why some prayers aren't answered and will never be answered because there are things you can pray for that God simply will not do. And uh, so it would be worth it for you, those of you that are listening to this teaching on prayer, to now go how, to... How much does that cost? It's, only, it's only $69 to go and get a course. You get lifetime access. It's fully downloadable on your phone, iPad, laptop. You can watch it from anywhere at your own pace. You can go to MiracleWordU, the letter U, dot com. All of these courses are available. And listen, what you're seeing on the screen right now, we've bundled all four of these courses into one 20-plus hours of teaching uh, for only $199. That's 28% off uh, every course. So basically, you get a course for free by doing that. And we even have a, to make it easy on you, we have a payment plan, $50 a month for four months, and you can get everything we have uh, in the school right now, the online courses in one. That answered prayer course will, I've had so many people write back and say, I've been to church for 20 years. I've never heard this preached before, never heard this taught. And it's important because we have to have proper understanding of God's word in order for the word to work in our lives. Amen. We'll know the truth and then the truth will set us free. Then it does. And uh, our, our newest course, as you see on there, is Mountain Moving Faith. That just came out. 
And uh, we've had so many people. That's the fastest enrollment we've seen for any course. And um, we love our Miracle Word U students, and they're all over the world, really. And uh, so I want to encourage you to go check it out. Miracle Word U, the letter U, dot com. And I know it'll, I know it'll bless you. You remember when you were young, I wrote an article in my magazine called Mountain Moving Faith. And there is an actual historical record, archaeologically, mm -hmm. as well as historically, of a mountain that was moved. Marco Polo? It was in his uh, travels book that he wrote. I have a translation from his original language. And that mountain brought deliverance to the Christian church in that Muslim country. When the emir of that country died, they found around his neck a chain with a cross on it. Wow. And he had challenged them, if this is true what you're preaching, then let someone move this mountain as your holy, or he called it sacred texts say. And they wow. found a man who was a cobbler, very humble, they said. And he went and he prayed. And when he prayed, the mountain moved. Wow. Praise God. Yeah. Yeah, it's phenomenal. I mean, it, we need, you know, the Lord spoke to you not long ago and, and actually said to you in prayer that faith in America was at an all-time low. He told me that. And then you began to work uh, with the instructions of the Holy Spirit to build faith everywhere you went. I, mean, I released a series called Three Keys to Building Greater Faith. Greater faith. Mm -hmm. If you go to my website, tedshuttlesworth.com, mm -hmm. it may or may not be there. Yeah. It depends on whether Teddy loaded it up or stole it and rewrote it as his own material. We just don't. Know. You can find all of those messages in my new course, Mountain Moving Faith, at miraclewordyou.com. Uh, uh, that's funny. We love you guys. Thanks for hanging with us today. We'll be back again uh, tomorrow morning, 10.30 a.m., and uh, we're going to continue with this this series that we're doing on uh, pitfalls that are keeping people from uh, miracles, breakthroughs, blessings, and seeing the promises of God that are included in your covenant. Uh, and you're not going to want to miss it. So don't forget, tomorrow morning, 1030 a.m., have a powerful day. We love you. And uh, we'll see you again in the morning. Love you guys. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.